0: Please turn with me to uh, John, first chapter, verses 1 to 13. John chapter 1. These beautiful words In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all men through Him... Might believe. He was not the light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own rejected him not, received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. The church has learned to love this family that came to be with us a few months ago, the Wilcox family, their children, their mommy, their grandmother, and their dad, Their dad has our service today, the forgotten beginning.
1: There's a little bit of a transition from Carhartts to a suit, um, but I think I'll survive it. Uh, I have to admit I enjoy wearing my Carhartts and working in the wood shop, but it's a privilege to... uh, To be with you today and to share the things that God has put on my heart and my mind to share with you. It's a good thing to think about beginnings. I think all of us like to do that. We like to remember those times where we took a new turn in the road. Beginnings are fresh and new. Beginnings are full of hope and eager anticipation. I think of things like the first day in school, or the first day in a new job, which we really wanted to get, or, or weddings. All of these are, are new beginnings. I think of babies born, new life come into the world, beginnings, fresh, new So much eagerness, so so much anticipation. I think, because I like adventures, I think of new adventures. A trip anticipated or a mountain climb or something that we've been looking forward to. Beginnings are a rich thing for us. Beginnings are the place where we often seem to be most able to get in touch with the deepest longings and hopes of our hearts. All of these are beginnings, and these kinds of things bring us a lot of pleasure. But when John penned the first few words of his gospel message, it was not these kinds of things which he had in mind. He takes us back even further to the very beginning of all things. But why? Why does John begin his gospel with the phrase, in the beginning? The other gospels don't start that way. They all start at the time of Christ's birth. They start with the preaching of John the Baptist or the angel announcements of John's birth and and Jesus' birth. But John starts way back further. Even further, before the world was even created. Why? Why does John start at the very beginning? The beginning of time to tell us this story of Jesus? One thing is clear to me. And that's the reason John is telling the story at all. He tells us the story of Jesus because He wants people to know life. Life with a capital L. Real life. The life they were meant to know. He wants them to know that. He wants people to know the life that is so rich and so good that it can't help but go on forever. He wants people to know the kind of life that is so powerful that not even death can keep it down. John wanted people to know that kind of life. And that is why he is writing about Jesus. He had come to the strong conviction, and not only conviction, the experience, the knowledge that that kind of life was to be found in this man that he met in Galilee this man named Jesus. And he wanted other people to know that kind of life. Of course, that's why all of these men, these gospel writers, wrote to us what they did. They wanted us to know what God had done in human history, to change that history and to bring it to a satisfying end. They wanted us to know what they had seen and experienced and come to know in their experience of Jesus. They wanted to share it with us so that we could know it too. But why then does John start long before Jesus was even born? Why does he start at the very beginning? I'm going to answer that question. At least I'm going to tell you what I think the answer is. And what I have worked out is the reason for why he started there. I'm going to give you my answer and then I'm going to explain to you why I came to that answer. And see if you think I did okay in my reasoning process. So here it is. Here is the answer. My answer is to why John started by talking about beginnings. He talked about beginnings... Because the world was all in a muddle, and the people that he was speaking to had never known anything else but the muddled up world. You know that word, don't you? Muddle. I love the sound of that word. It it captures its meaning in the very sound of it. Muddle means confusion, jumble, mess. The world was in a muddle. So John knew that the world was muddled and he wanted people to see that it had not always been that way. That there was something else besides the muddle. That there was a reality and an order of things and a peace and harmony and richness of life apart from the muddle, before the muddle, deeper down than the muddle. He wanted people to know that this wholeness and this richness was at the very foundation of things, more solid, more lasting than the muddle that we all know in the world as it is now. But let's try to put a little more content into this idea that the world was in a muddle. Let's explore it a bit more and look at it a bit more closely. Having done that, we want to look more at the reality and order and peace and the harmony that John directed our eyes back to. But first, the muddle. John knew that the world was confused. When it came to truth and what was really true, he knew that there were conflicting claims about these things. Some said that to really know God, you had to do this others said no 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 not that but this others said there's no god at all do whatever you like and still others claimed that there were thousands of gods and you just had to find the one that worked okay for you the world was in a muddle when it came to knowing truth to knowing the real path that god was made to or man was made to walk down in his living When you read the Bible, you see evidence of all these claims and counterclaims, these false claims to truth and knowledge. Truth has always had plenty of competitors in the world. There are a lot of voices clamoring for our attention besides the one true voice. But not only that, there was also a multitude of misguided ways in which men quested after life and what seemed to be missing in their existence. The Bible tells us professing to be wise, they became fools, given over to degrading passions. They dishonored their own bodies and were given over to wickedness and greed and envy and the like. But we don't even stop there. It was not just the godless who were misguided. Jesus spoke at one point of those who traveled over land and earth and sea to make one convert. And when he became a convert, they made him twice as much a son of hell as themselves. Even the religious people were confused. Paul speaks in Colossians of those who tried to find life by strict codes of conduct and severe denial. Do not taste, do not touch, don't do this, don't do that. All the apostles dealt with the Gnostics who fostered private spiritualities and elitist spiritual outlooks that had nothing to do with the, the truth and the Creator God who had made them. And Peter, speaking of all this mixed up all together, he spoke of the futile ways of life that we have inherited from those who have gone before us. What I am trying to get across to you is the sense, the feeling of the muddle and the confusion that characterized human experience and history back then as well as now. All the claims and the counterclaims, the different pathways proposed as the real path to life, the confusion about truth and about where we can find what our hearts are really hungry for. And then you add upon all of this the hurt and the pain and the loss that is experienced in a muddled-up world, and the attempts to find love and happiness that go awry, and all the ways in which people try unsuccessfully to escape all the pain and hardship of such a world. And it's almost too much for us to bear. There's a reason that the Bible says that men are like sheep who have gone astray and become lost. There's a reason that Isaiah said that darkness will cover the earth and great darkness the peoples. The world is in a muddle. It was in a muddle back then and it's in a muddle today. Look at the confusion all around you. The confusion about truth. Yesterday in the shop uh, a friend who has his bench right near to mine said to me or you said to someone else he didn't say it to me he said um, he said oh we used to get together and make pizzas we'd make pizzas and eat pizzas he says we called them spiritual pizzas well I haven't quite lived the same life that many others in the shop have lived and I didn't catch what he meant by spiritual. And so being one of the spiritual ones in the shop, I said, Tim, I said, what do you mean by spiritual? Why did you call them spiritual pizzas? He said, oh, it's what we put on them. And I assume that they put some type of psychedelic mushroom on those pizzas to get a good high from their pizza feed. And and my heart... Groaned within me, the world's in a muddle. Friends like Tim, who long somewhere deep in his heart for something that is much more than just a momentary high, they call that high spiritual. That's not spiritual. If it is, if you can call it that at all, it's misguided spirituality. The world's in a muddle, there's confusion. Even religious efforts can become confused and muddled and, and, and somehow divorced from the God who is really life. men questing in every sort of fashion and way to find happiness and life. Because of all this, John points back before the muddle began. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. There it is. The picture of richness and harmony of love and life. John wants us to catch a glimpse of this He wants us, who live in the midst of the muddle, to know that this, this harmony, and this richness, and this life came before. This was what was first. Not all that we see in front of us day by day. It was this that God made. It was this that came from God. He wants us to understand the purity of intent and action that was shared between God the Father and Jesus the Son. He wants us to sense the richness of the tides of love that spilled over into the creation of all things. The creation of us. A veritable fountain of life. Aren't you hungry for it? Don't you burn deep down inside to know that kind of life? To be able to let go of all the false substitutes and the attempts to find life apart from God? The addictions and the tangled relationships to come to this life and to find real life in Jesus. Don't you hunger for that life? I do. John wants us to know That this man, Jesus Christ, who he is proclaiming to us and will proclaim for 20 some more chapters, he wants us to know that Jesus didn't come from the muddle. That Jesus is not confused. That Jesus has crystal clarity of insight into what man really needs and to where man went astray and to how man can get back to what his heart really longs for. Jesus is the one who knows. He came from a place of clear insight where the vision was not muddled. But even more so, he is the author. He himself is the author of all those insights and that vision of what life was really meant to be. And as our creator, he is the source of life itself. John wanted us to know that in this Jesus whom he proclaimed, we had a foundation that would never let us down. That this Jesus was the only one who could bring us home. That this Jesus is the only one who can untangle the tangled problems of our lives and give us what we were really meant to know. That this Jesus is the only one who can defeat the powers of sin and death and put back in its place the life He meant us to know. Oh, John wanted us to know those things. We have such a foundation under our feet. Our Savior came from beyond the muddle and knows how to lead us back To the life he made us for. It's been over 20 years. I was 21. And uh, went to Stanford University. Not as a student. But went there with quaking knees. And a lot of uh, fear and trembling. To seek to speak about Jesus. Jesus on the Stanford campus for nine months. In whatever ways and in whatever places I could find opportunity to speak. It was a very difficult year for me. I experienced a great deal of loneliness. I battled some of my own confusion and faced the struggles of my own heart in living in a muddled-up world. And I sought to speak to people about Jesus, the Jesus I had been taught about when I was a child, but also embraced in a time of great crisis when my father died at, when I was 12. The Jesus that I had clung to and had rich experiences with, but then who had seemed to go away, at least on the emotional level, and, and felt like he was gone and no longer heard me, as I wrestled with the problems and the challenges of my own heart. And there I was at Stanford to speak about this Jesus, and I was lonely, and I was depressed, and I couldn't see Jesus except by the eye of faith. And I begin to ask myself, what do I really have to say to all of these people here? to these brightest of the brightest students the cream of the crop from the united states stanford students what do i have to say to them you know they have all their own roads there's buddhist here and there's hindus here and there's secularist here and atheist and they all have their own way of looking at life Who am I to tell them that they should follow my way? I couldn't stand up and say, follow Jesus and you'll be happy all the time. I wasn't happy. I was struggling. My life felt hard. God seemed silent. What could I say to them? I wrestled with this for some months. What do I really have to say? And then one day, I was in the graduate student library. I love libraries, especially when life feels hard. I like to find a good book. And I was often in that library that year looking for good books. And I was sitting there thinking about things and thinking about this question, what do I really have to say? And all of a sudden the thought came to me. Why were all of these books written? Here I sat in the library of one of the most famous universities, of one of the greatest countries the world has ever known, the great American empire. I sat there in the library with hundreds of thousands of volumes on those shelves all around me. And the simple question came to me, Why were all of these books written? And then the answer came. They were written because men were trying to find their way out of the muddle. Man trying to find his way home. Not always honestly, mind you. Many in rebellion turning away from the light that has been given in God's revealed truth, depending on their own wisdom, saying, we'll find our own way, thank you, God. We can do it ourselves. We can be our own gods. But anyway, all the volumes were written as an attempt to find our way out of the muddle, to create the world our hearts hunger for, to solve the problems, to realize the dream of the myth of progress, And then just as quickly the thought came to me, but all the men who are writing are mixed up in the muddle themselves. What can they tell me? It's the blind leading the blind. They're in the muddle. So how can they tell me how to get out of the muddle? They're still in it themselves. And then my answer came. Remember, I had been asking, what do I have to say to the students at Stanford who are all my own age or older? What do I have to say to them? The answer came to me. Jesus Christ came from beyond The muddle. He came from outside the mess. He alone can take us home. He alone. The world may yet be in a muddle. But God has laid a clear foundation. He has given us a sure place to stand. It is an absolute certainty that this one, this word of God that John writes about, who came from before and outside of the muddle, can save us and restore us to the life which he knew and poured forth into the world at the very beginning. Have you put your trust in this Christ? Have you listened to this word of God that has come to us? Have you determined to put your trust in Him again day after day? Oh God, be praised. May all of our hearts be there. Firm and and strong with the strength He gives us. To trust Him and say, Jesus, we receive you. John moves through this. He speaks about the light. He says, Jesus came from beyond the muddle. He has light for you. He enlightens every man. His light shines upon your lives. He loves you. Even if you have struggled hard. Even if you've been lost. Even if you have failed many, many times. He loves you. And His light is for you. His help is for you. He doesn't ask, how strong are you? What kind of family did you come from? Has your life been ordered and well? He doesn't ask these questions. He doesn't ask if you've had the strength to put aside bad habits and wrong behaviors. He doesn't ask if you've been able to pull yourself out of the muddle. He comes to you and he asks one simple thing. Will You, trust me? Will you say, Jesus, I open my life to you? That's all he asks. And he promises that for the man or the woman who does this, who receives him, to them he will give the right and the power. Interesting word John chose there. It means both right and power. And I don't think we should be forced to decide between one or the other of those translations. They both belong together. To those who receive him, he gives the right and the power to become the sons and daughters of God. Do you realize how revolutionary this message is? Sometimes the muddle wears us down and we forget what we hold in our hands. What we have received into our hearts. The very message of life itself. This Jesus will conquer. And this Jesus, this Word of God, will establish many sons and daughters who had been lost, hopelessly lost. He will establish them with him in his eternal kingdom. Conquerors of death, conquerors of sin, conquerors of all the conflicting muddle. May you receive him again today. May you know him as your God. And may we all stand together in that great kingdom may God bless you and keep you in the week to come may you find him your life in all the challenges and joys that await us may we meet together again next week to praise and to pray again in Jesus name amen